A fantastic Friday to each and every one of you. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a wonderful start to your Friday. I am excited because while it is the start of a new era here on YouTube, it also is the first time that I have a guest with me, and his name is Drew Hill of the Daily Memphian. He has been with us before, but we're always excited to have him. And, of course, when we bring him on, that means exciting things are happening. And, Drew, this time around, it's the start of the NBA season. How are you, sir? I'm great. I need a background like you. I just moved into this house like within the last like month and a half, and I don't have a background like you. So I'll work on it. I'll work on it. Next time, I'll have something unique to me. I'll have like – I know you you won't like it. I'll have my Alabama football uh, signed Jerry Judy jersey about right there. That's what I'll have. So well, I need something. I was going to suggest a Texas A&M flag. If that's, oh. oh, that's that may still be a sore subject. We won't get into that. All kidding aside, Drew is with us. Of course, you can. We've got these fancy graphics here as well. Um, you can find myself at Stats SAC on Twitter, the podcast wherever it's available, the show on YouTube. Drew's uh, obviously you can find his links. We will make sure to plug his stuff at the end of the show. But before we get into it, we're going to get our intro going today. Welcoming Drew, talking all things season preview with the Grizzlies, as well as we're going to start off with the latest concerning Tony Allen, getting Drew's insight into that. But before we do that, Drew, we have a fancy intro. I want to get your opinion on it. But here we go with the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. You are Locked On Grizzlies. Your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I mixed I mixed that music myself. <laughs> I don't know if you believe me, but I, but I did. That, that's a joke. Um, but yeah, hey, let's get right to it. So um, obviously the reason why we want to reach out to Drew, he has been doing quality work for multiple years now. Quality doesn't doesn't cover it he is one of the best when it comes to covering memphis sports and the grizzlies and so drew i know one of the things that coming up to the start of the season that you've been covering of course is the unfortunate news when it comes to tony allen yesterday i believe uh, he, he had the first proceedings in the legal process of things pleaded not guilty your stuff obviously your insight is over on the daily memphian but what can you provide to us as far as maybe the next steps go in this process yeah so and it was it was actually um on Tuesday, he he turned himself in in New York, which was interesting because a lot of the players that were involved, and there were 18 players plus Tony's wife, Desiree Allen, um, a lot of the players had already been arrested at that point or turned themselves in at that point. And Tony's came a little bit later. It happened on Tuesday. He was arraigned the same day. It just kind of takes a had it had all that. Had that process happened in Memphis, I think everybody maybe would have had a, an eye on it a little bit better. But, you know, with us being down here and the court proceedings happening up in New York, it just takes a while. You know, like it, it, it takes some time to for the uh, documents to come through uh, on the court systems. All that's public information. It's just me waiting to see, you know, what filings they're going to make. And so um, – I finally, you know, checked again yesterday, saw that there were some more um, filings and that he had pleaded not guilty. He's the third player that's pleaded not guilty so far. Sebastian Telfair, Eddie Robinson, Tony Allen all pleaded not guilty. Um, And 
He was released on a $500,000 personal recognizance bond, which essentially, like, I'm no law expert. I was trying to ask people yesterday exactly what this means. So I, I really hope I'm not steering anyone in the wrong direction here. This is just what I was, was able to gather myself. I, I know nothing about practicing law, um, which essentially means that I guess there's two financial people that are personally responsible for that bond. It means that Tony Allen really didn't put anything up like his house or anything uh, on the bond. Um, they just kind of have promised, all right, if Tony breaks any of the rules and doesn't show up to court, then the, the financially responsible persons are going to owe that money, uh, which obviously is a very substantial chunk of money. So, um, you know, and there are restrictions like he, he can't go anywhere. I think outside of the central district of California, basically the Memphis area and the New York area it is he's kind of restricted and I have to pass a drug test. And, you know, there, there are all sorts of limitations. That's all just kind of semantics, though. Um, the next part of the process for Tony will come sometime after uh, October 25th, I believe. And that's just kind of the minimum date there. Obviously, uh, shared a speedy trial here. And because of COVID restrictions, they're not going to be able to have all of the defendants in one room at one time. So Tony will get paired probably with his wife and maybe just the two of them. There will be two pairs of two and then there will be other pairs of three. And so um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens then. Because uh, for now, and and uh, there there were there are still no documents that Desiree has been arrested yet, so we're not really sure exactly where that stands. Um, but it, you know, really until the twenty fifth, I don't anticipate with Tony we're going to have much more information on that sort of unfortunate situation. Yeah, and and thank you for the opportunity of, of kind of enlightening us on that as your articles do over at the Daily Memphian. I'm um, obviously, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we, like you mentioned, with without us knowing a lot on those side of things, you know, since that's not our you know career areas, you know, it's just a matter of hoping that it works out the best. So I'm certain for everybody that that is the case. But of course, you know, hopefully that works out for the best. But other positive things going on right now, of course, is the start of the season. And Drew, before we get into the start of the season, one thing I wanted to get your opinion on: we do have some other decisions to be made if i am correct and i'll get you to back me up on this i'm sure that you have knowledge of it as well we do have a couple of deadlines coming up uh, obviously monday october 18th that is the deadline for the rookie contract extensions and of course we have a big one a big decision jaron jackson jr i talked with you the first of the summer we thought that maybe that could be something that worked itself out it has not don't think that's a negative but do you feel there's any type of last minute developments that will occur as far as that goes I'm sure they'll try. Like, I, I don't doubt that they won't try. I just don't feel like it's going to get done at this point. There, I, I, there's probably too big of a difference. And I don't want to speak on the exact negotiations because, to be honest, I don't know exactly what Jared's asking for or exactly what the organization wants to give him. Um but it does feel like Jaron, in his position, he should be asking for a max contract. His agent, who's whoever that is, should be pushing so hard for him to get a max contract because of the players around him in his draft class. They all got max contracts. Jaron Jackson Jr., when he's been good this year, or, or not this year, obviously in previous years, is probably a player who looks like he's deserving of a max contract. 
The problem is that he has not been able to stay healthy. The Grizzlies probably can't trust that he's going to stay healthy at this point. And it's clearly something that's got to be a challenging discussion because you're not trying to upset one of the best players on your team. And the player who, I mean, we, we might get into this, we, we've labeled the tipping point player of the franchise. And if he's great, then maybe this team becomes great. And you know he's so important to the development of everybody else around him that it's just a very fragile discussion. And the one thing that I have taken note of, though, this preseason, is any time that John Morant or any of the other players get asked about Jaron and his future, they always say, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be awesome. Uh, Ja, when he got asked about Jaron's contract situation, said, you know, he's going to be here, and if he's healthy, he's going to be awesome. This is literally just me guessing. This is nothing more than a guess. But to me, the way that I, I break that down in my head says, I bet you that there's something going on in that front office where they're telling him, if you stay healthy this year, your money's going to come. Just stay healthy and be the player that we expect you to be. Even if you're not an all-star this season, that's okay. But stay healthy this year, and we can work this out. And um, that's just the sense that I get. I don't Like I said, I don't know the specifics of the discussions, um, but if I were in Zach Kleiman's shoes, I think I'd probably be saying the same thing. This is why we love talking to you. Excellent insight. And of course, if they were to complete this year, even without there being a contract in place, they do have the rights to match because he will be a restricted free agent. You also could see still a five-year deal work itself out like John Collins, like Jared Allen did with the with the Hawks and the Cavaliers. So there certainly is definitely in all likelihood a long-term agreement to be had without any type of contentious developments or anything like that. But one other thing to watch out for, I believe that the, this deadline is November 1st. It's uh, Halloween every single year. Is the 2022-2023 rookie option decisions coming up? Obviously, Jaw, Desmond Bain, and Brandon Clark, I can assume, will be picked up. But there's another interesting player on this roster, Jarrett Culver, who they traded for. I felt he was an in-game move in terms of a guy they wanted to bring into the fold, but I'm not so sure that his option is going to be picked up. His preseason play hasn't really you know, bestowed a lot of confidence on that decision being picked up. What are your thoughts as far as him maybe sticking around for longer than a year if his option is picked up? Yeah, I, he just hasn't looked very good. Um, I, like, I don't, you know, it doesn't ever feel good to say that, but, like, Jared Culver's looked pretty bad in the preseason so far for the Grizzlies. Um, whether there's still potential there that they haven't reached, maybe that is the case. And I think the Grizzlies, more so than other teams, love to look at potential. Like, it's almost always very easy to see what the Grizzlies see in certain players um, because it's, they make it relatively easy to notice by the way that they even use them in games. So I, I typically you really know. With Jarrett, it's almost felt like they just did that to break up that contract and to unload some money and, and that, that Jarrett Culver trade. And so I, I just I, I just don't see him being a long-term part of the Grizzlies. Like, I just don't understand why he would need to be here any longer than, you know, than what he's already on the dotted line for. The only thing that 
and that doesn't mean I think that they're going to like waive him because they're they are we're going to get into it. I'm sure they are going to have to make some decisions here. The only thing he has going for him right now, because the play on the court hasn't really been going so well, is that his deal is more tradable than the other two guys. And so um, maybe if you think that you can include him on the back end of a deal that's going to get you some sort of significant player at the trade deadline because your team is overachieving, then you, you let him stick around. You Maybe you even give him that deal and you can trade him. Um, but it's easier to get rid of guys on expiring deals. And so, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. I don't really know if there's a, a wrong answer, to be honest, for, for what the front office can do. It just sort of depends on what they decide to do later on down the line, you know, uh, closer towards the trade deadline. And it's a perfect segue into, obviously, you've got 16 guaranteed NBA contracts with 15 spots available. And that, of course, comes down to Sam Merrill, Jarrett Culver, and, you know, Chris Dunn. And we thought it was Sam Merrill and Chris Dunn for much of the preseason. But, you know, now Jarrett Culver's play not being there. Sam Merrill absolutely shining against Indiana. And you know how much Taylor Jenkins loves those type of players. I'm not saying Merrill's going to start over Bain or Melton anytime soon. But I would anticipate that with the moves that they've already made, you made the point about Culver's contract being traded. Merrill aligns the most, I think, with what Taylor Jenkins wants on this roster. I think it has to make sense for Chris Dunn maybe to stand out as the guy who's gone. But at the end of the day, I think Sam Merrill probably has the strongest case right now to make the roster, and it's one of the other two guys who could be cut. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they first made the Merrill move, that I correct me if I'm wrong, but order of operations here that happened before the other two trades. So when they made that trade, it was generally assumed like they don't really have any interest in Sam Merrill. They, they don't care about Sam Merrill. They're just trying to unload Grayson Allen's money and get more minutes for Bain and Melton. Well, you make all these other moves. Now you have all these people on the roster and you say, hold on, wait a minute. Maybe Sam Merrill's a better option <laughs> out of these three guys. And the point that I sort of made from the end of the last trade, which was the Timberwolves trade, was that I think that Sam Merrill just fits this team better from an on-court perspective and also from a depth perspective. Who's the better player, Chris Dunn or Sam Merrill? I think the answer might be Chris Dunn. That might be the right answer. Chris Dunn is at least more proven than Sam Merrill is at the NBA level. Um but I'm not so certain that he's a better fit for the Grizzlies because if the intention is to play the two guards who can shoot, I mean two guards as shooting guards and the actual number two guards, DeAnthony Melton and Desmond Bain, then if there's an injury or you get desperate, you don't want a guy like Chris Dunn coming in to fill in for them because he's a totally different player and you have to almost change your entire operation. That doesn't mean Chris Dunn isn't a better player than Sam Merrill. It just means that Chris Dunn might not fit as well as Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill can come in and make threes and do what Desmond Bain does, even if it's at a lesser degree. I think he makes more sense to have on the roster. Um, But again, I don't know if it's going to come down to who's the better player. I think if you went off of purely preseason performance, there's no way you could, you know, wave Sam Merrill. But Sam Merrill has the smallest contract out of all those guys. And you might not need significant money in trades closer to the trade deadline. So you might need to keep 
the other guys in order to make the moves that you want to make later on down the line. So it may not matter. I thought Sam Merrill gave a great answer after the last preseason game against Indiana. I kind of asked him um, without being too direct, you know, do you feel like you've had a good enough chance to prove yourself? I wasn't really expecting him to like talk for real about the situation. And he was super honest and was like, yeah, look, I know about the situation and all I can do is put my best foot forward and play the best that I possibly can. And the ankle injury that held him out until uh, earlier this week, he was like, that obviously didn't help me, but I'm at peace with whatever happens because I've played really well and I've shown him a lot. I feel like in the time that I have played this preseason. And so, you know, I'm, I can be at, at peace with whatever decision they make. And I thought that was a great answer. It makes me like Sam Merrill. You know, I, I hope even if it doesn't work out for the Grizzlies uh, and, and Sam, which is to, remains to be seen, I hope he lands on another team. Like that's the attitude that you should have going into that type of situation. And I thought it was a really, really good answer from him. And we've seen what Taylor Jenkins can do with those shooting talents. We're going to get into it with Drew when it comes to some preseason impressions, as well as how that can roll over to the regular season. Before we do that, do want to remind you, though, that one of our new sponsors here at Locked On uh, on the Locked On Podcast, Podcast Network is Prize Pick. Prize Picks has the best NBA daily fantasy source prop games on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. So it offers you any prop you can think of from yardage on touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of your users that deposit and use your promo code will receive 100% Instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code MBA. Again, don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code MBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Of course, we want to remind you that Locked on Grizzlies is your first listen of the day. But I'll tell you this, another show to check out is Locked on Bears. And that is something that our guest today, Mr. Drew Hill, is enjoying when it comes to seeing Justin Fields, whether you're a Bears fan, a Titans fan, such as myself, check on for your second listen of the day, the locked on NFL team of your choice. And in this case, it would be the Chicago Bears. Now, obviously, Mr. Hill, you know, that's the thing that I'm enjoying being a, a Braves fan and a Grizzlies fan right now. I get to enjoy my favorite basketball team having John Morant. Get to enjoy my favorite baseball team having Ronald Acuna Jr. and others. I'm sure so far you're enjoying your Bears having Justin Fields. Um, it seems like that he may be the long-term answer finally for a team that's needed it for a while. Yeah, they just need somebody who can block for him. That's the exactly. exactly. <laughs> they got to keep him alive for next year. But yeah, but yeah Bears, I'm uh, – I'll be watching this weekend against the Packers, but I don't have a lot of optimism. So when it comes to my Bears, for sure. Gotcha. Well, hopefully, speaking of optimism, this preseason is something that certainly has given plenty of people reason to have that for the Grizzlies. Drew, we've been we've been phenomenal with our starters in there. The numbers do show we've been one of the better teams, and I feel the defense has certainly been there, even without Dylan Brooks. A couple of things that have stood out to me, and we'll, we'll kind of hit on this uh, quickly, is you know. The offense, obviously, hashtag, let that 
fly. I believe it's LTMF, let the threes fly, basically. I think Taylor Jenkins uses another word. But the key is, is a free-flowing offense. The half-court offenses look better, but featuring the three more, I think, has been a goal. And so far, the shots haven't fallen just at a great rate, but I do think these reps are helping out. We're certainly showing good strides shooting the three, which is going to be important this season. Even if they're not falling at a great rate yet, I think that they are. Like I have a lot of confidence that they that they will. Um, I don't have doubt in the Grizzlies shooters. Like DeAnthony Melton has proved to me, he's a legit forty percent three point shooter. Like that that manifested itself last year, and it's interesting to hear the coaching staff talk about it and say, "Yeah, we knew, always knew he was that type of shooter." He was never not that type of shooter. He just had a back problem that was really bothering him his first year in Memphis. And really that was what the difference was between his great season last year and the season before that. I think he's going to be that same type of shooter this coming season. Desmond Bain, great shooter. No doubts about that one at all. We don't even have to talk about that. That's pretty obvious. Desmond Bain, it it looks good. It goes in. I mean, it's perfect. Um, Jaw, you would hope, is a little bit improved. Um, I still don't know if I want Jaw launching seven or eight threes a game, especially the way he's attacked the basket in the preseason and even the mid-range, and he's been super effective. But I don't think you need that from him. And then Jaron, like, it's a guy who for a long time had to get his legs under him last season, so I didn't really put much into that, you know, his low three-point percentage in the playoffs and at the end of the regular season. And then you've seen kind of the mixed bag in the preseason. Like he's had games where he didn't shoot it well. Well, guess what? Even Steph Curry has games where he doesn't make a bunch of threes. Um, And so I I don't doubt his three-point shooting ability either. I think it's smart. Um, It's probably what Taylor Jenkins wanted to do from the beginning, but just made adjustments on the fly last year without Jaron being in the lineup. And you're going to see him shoot a lot more threes this year, and it's going to be advantageous for the offense. I, I really do think that, you know, Whatever the numbers are now, look at them two months into the season. They'll be improved. And it's not just, and I agree with you completely, and it's not just the shooting itself. And and you're right, the development of DeAnthony Melton, the emergence of Desmond Bain, the improvement of Dylan when he gets back, Ja, Kyle Anderson. It's also setting up these players for high percentage looks from threes and being able to do that in as many ways as possible. In terms of individual revelations when it comes to their skills, Stephen Adams' playmaking has also stood out, where you've got the setup from all five different spots to set up other people for shooting. I don't think Steven Adams is going to shoot the three even like Jonas did, but his half-court offense addition, the cuts, setting up the high-percentage looks, the passing and playmaking, there seems to be a cohesion this year that we saw in the summer league, now over to the main players, that certainly helps as well. That also is encouraging from this preseason. Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure how much of a like quote unquote playmaker Stephen Adams will be over the long term uh, over the you know the course of the entire season, but I have been very impressed with just his feel and just where he needs to knowing where he needs to be at the right time, and it's happened almost immediately. And what you want is that cohesion with Jaw, where he kind of knows where Jaw's going either with a pass or with a drive or, or, or when he's going to shoot, because if he can, if he can anticipate that he can set himself up to, you know, feast on these offensive rebounds the same way that we saw Jonas do it last year. And he's already doing a great job of that in the preseason. 
to me, that's super encouraging. And you're right. Like he's found his way into the middle of the lane and Josh ja, ja seems to have an eye for him when he gets there. And he's been great at making decisions so far in that, um, in those scenarios. So all in all, I, I like, I think it's more of a feel thing than anything else for Steven Adams. He just has it already. And that's really, really good to see. Um, especially when the Grizzlies are going to lose offense. Well, we assumed that the Grizzlies would lose offense this year on not having Jonas there to just clean up all those John Morant drives and misses. Um, and now you've got Steven Adams and he's been able to come in and do the same thing right away. I actually asked Steven Adams about this. I said, you know, how much of a luxury is it to be able to clean up those John Morant drives? And he said, oh, you're assuming he's going to miss mate. He doesn't miss many. And I was like, ah, touche, touche, Steven. But uh, yeah, he, he's been really impressive so far. And obviously he's one of the most fun guys on the team it's hard not to like Stephen Adams you know the way that just just the way that he talks I find it hilarious that he calls all of the media like he calls me and Evan and you he calls everybody bro bro and then I heard I was sitting uh courtside for the last home preseason game and he's yelling at the ref bro he found me bro bro he found me it's like oh Stephen just calls everybody bro he's the best (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and friend of the show, Evan Barnes, also a wonderful source of Grizzlies content. At least we haven't been on the worst receiving end of one of Stephen Adams' quips, like unfortunately Evan was on uh, Media Day. Uh, but yes, he, he is very entertaining. Um, if you want to call them position battles, probably not the best way to describe it, but a few things to certainly watch. Uh, DeAnthony Melton and Desmond Bain, um, you know, as being that fifth starter, though it looks like both may start with uh, Dylan Brooks just, you know, being unavailable to start the season. We'll get into that in just a moment. But another interesting one, in my opinion, is Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark. Now, with Dylan Brooks out, you certainly feel that both will have rotation minutes. But when Dylan Brooks gets back, you've already got Jaron and Steven Adams at the four and five starting likely. You're going to see Kyle Anderson at the four quite a bit. You want both of them to have minutes, especially with how young they are. Obviously, Xavier Tillman ended last year seeming to be the preference. This, uh, this preseason – it's been Brandon Clark who's looked a little bit more impressive. Um, you know, we'll get more into Bain and Melton in just a second, but your thoughts on the Tillman-Brandon Clark situation. You want both of them to have roles. I'm just not sure if there's a spot for both of them to have significant roles when everybody's healthy. Yeah, not yeah, the last part is key. When everybody's healthy, I think with with uh, Dylan being out for the start of the season, maybe you'll see them slide Kyle Anderson up to the three a little bit, and then that way they can work both of those guys in. Um, I think you're right. Brandon looks to be the first option right now. Um, it was interesting that he played or he, he was set to play the fourth quarter of the first preseason game, which ended up getting canceled because of the fire alarm situation, um, which to me suggested, okay, maybe he's behind Xavier Tillman because Xavier Tillman and then Brandon played great in the next game. He's had good games since. It really looks like he has his bounce back like he's got his energy back he looks healthier um he's got a very good attitude I think a lot of it has to do with having this guy Jared back they they seem to be like the best buddies on the team um and so yeah I, I give a slight edge to Brandon Clark at the moment for who will be in the rotation when the team gets healthy but since they're both going to play I think it's it's too early to make any definitive calls because we're going to get to see him in the regular season for two to three weeks with, with Dylan out. 
and that's conservative, right? We know the way that the Grizzlies handle injuries. Two to three weeks can sometimes mean a lot longer than that. Um, and so we're going to get to see um, both of those guys play, and whoever performs better is, I'm sure, who they'll go with in the long term. But these little injuries are going to come up, and they're going to rest guys. And so both players will get plenty of opportunity over the course of the entire season. I don't really worry about that. Um, I just think that in terms of preseason storylines, Dylan Brooks' injuries kind of ended that one because now we're going to get to see both of them at the beginning of the season. And one final thing I want to ask your impression of, an impression that I've got that, I, that I'm happy that I've got is Santi Aldama and Zaire Williams, our two first-round picks. Drew, it was awesome to see him, was it two nights ago? Yeah, I believe it was on Wednesday night. It was awesome to see Zaire's second-quarter performance. He had struggled on Saturday when you know the starters had set out, seemed to struggle to start the game, but came back in and at times looked against an Eastern Conference playoff Opal playing the regulars like the best player on the court. Santi Aldama, his rebounding outside of his scoring, other skills that he possesses certainly shows well. Listen, these guys aren't doing anything spectacular. It's just their process of learning and making adjustments and making improvements. It seems to definitely be quick. Your impressions of them, probably neither one of them are going to have significant um, you know, moments in the rotation this year, but that certainly has to be encouraging how quickly they've adjusted and made improvements in their game. Yeah, I don't think Santi at any point is really going to have a serious role in the rotation. Um, it was good to see him get a good performance in the preseason in that um, the last home game that they played. Uh, the, I guess it was against the Pistons. Um, it was good to see him do that, especially after struggling so badly in, in summer league. You kind of felt bad for him a little bit. And then he, he showed, look, I've, I've got real NBA potential. I can play. Um, it's just, it took him a while for the game to slow down. And so you can see him getting better and that's great. I think he's kind of a long-term play for the Grizzlies anyways. Um, so, you know, obviously that that's good to see with Zaire. I'm not ruling out that he won't have a spot in the rotation at any point this year. He's been getting a lot better really quickly. Um, his last performance was very impressive and that. I think what he showed that impressed me almost even more than the second quarter, which obviously was a great quarter, was the last minute of the game. He scored the go-ahead bucket, I think, or either tying or go-ahead bucket. He made a bad play on defense immediately after that, gave up a score and fouled, so gave the lead away. And he was able to pick himself back up and go back down the floor and get him another score to tie the game back up. And he ends up giving up the game winner, but it's on a jump shot that really wasn't much of his fault, I, I didn't think. Uh, it was just a good shot by Jeremy Lamb. And so just to see him go in and battle with, like, a legit NBA rotation player, Jeremy Lamb, and score on him twice in the final minute when his team needed him, that was pretty impressive. And um, it, the shot looks good. The defense needs a little work. He's still really skinny. Um, but you can see a lot of the potential there for him. And so he's a player that if I were a Grizzlies fan, I'd be pretty excited about, even if he's not going to be in the rotation, because if you just want him to show you some things to flash some skill, he's definitely done that in the preseason. And um, I've been pretty impressed by him. And that's the thing that all this preseason play leads to is that it allows for us to have less stress, even with Dylan Brooks out. 
It allows for us to have less stress. We're going to get back with Drew in just a second about some of his season predictions when it comes to the Grizzlies. Before we do that, speaking of stress, I have a way for you to be able to make sure that you can get through the day stress-free, and that's Theragun. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically collaborated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, and Maria Sharapova. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com, therabody.com slash locked on, therabody.com slash locked on. Listen, I'll tell you another thing that's a lot of fun to make your day better, and that's trying Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Whether you make it your breakfast in the morning, having it in the afternoon as a snack, you go to built.com right now, choose from over 18 different flavors, and if you put in the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Again, go to built.com, choose from over 18 different flavors, make your day started off right by having it for breakfast, and put in the promo code LOCKED15 from built.com to make Built Bar a great part of your day. So we're back with Drew Hill, and obviously great insight um, as always. Uh, but Drew, let's get into it. So the season now is five days away, and just uh, really, really excited. Um, you know, several questions here, but we'll obviously start with this. Dylan Brooks is out to start the season, and I think another thing that stands out is that his absence to start the season is a bit unfortunate because of how tough the Grizzlies' schedule to start the season is, especially with several good scores on the perimeter. What do you think that impact will be, and how do you think the Grizzlies will adjust to make the most of the roster they had? They've been here before. This is just like last year, but Dylan Brooks is a big key who's going to be missing against a tough schedule to start out the year. Yeah, um, I don't know how much. I mean, clearly not having Dylan Brooks affects the team. There's no doubt. Um I'm not sure record-wise how different the record would be whether Dylan was healthy or not because a lot of it's just going to come down to three-point shooting for Memphis, and if they shoot well from three, then they're going to upset some teams. If they don't shoot well from three, they're not going to beat those teams that they have on that first road trip. So, I mean, in the end, that's that's sort of what it comes down to. That doesn't mean that I don't think Dylan has an impact because clearly he does, but you also have to take into account that this is a long season and it's the very beginning of the season, and there are still teams that are going to be working things out, not only the Grizzlies, but the opponents that they're going to be playing You know, at the start of the regular season. So whether Dylan was healthy or not, it was still going to be tough, uh, especially you know that those, that those first five. Um, you really hope that they can get a win against the Cavs on Wednesday in the season opener. That would be a good start and probably a pretty needed win so that you can feel better about yourself coming back from that road trip. Um, but I think the Grizzlies are plenty capable of taking, you know, two or three on, on this road trip. Uh, it just is in the end going to come down to how good is Ja, how good is Jaron, and are they making threes or not? Um, and I don't want to diminish Dylan's role because obviously he's important and they're a better team with Dylan Brooks, but I'm not sure record wise what kind of impact that'll have on this early season road trip. And, and it, it, it's kind of easy to forget that you talk about John Morant before his ankle injury, which happened in the third game last year. We're talking, I mean, you witnessed it yourself. We're talking about at home against the Spurs and the Hawks, the first two games of the year. Absolute 
historic performance against the Spurs, unbelievable performance against the Hawks. And and that's what you're hoping he gets started off to. Drew, you know, I, I know you've written about it. I've talked about it here. You know, Ja being in the all-star conversation, Jaron being in that most improved conversation, that's a general outlook that if they are in those conversations, it certainly is encouraging for their seasons. I don't know if you look at it from that perspective, but to you, what defines a successful season for John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr.? I think they're a little different um, for each, but I John should be an all-star. Like from what we have seen from him, I've talked to the people that that train him in the offseason and their expectations for him, his expectations for himself that he sets. Zach Kleiman has said on two different occasions that Jaw will be an all-star this season. And nothing in the preseason should suggest he's going to be anything but an all-star this season. I expect John Morant to be an all-star. He looks terrific. Like he's making everything inside. He's flashed that stop and pop jumper he's got from the free throw line now, which is going to be really difficult to stop. As long as he has that balance between passing and scoring, and I think he did a really good job of figuring that out last year. It felt like his first year he wanted to pass more than he wanted to score. Last year he did a little bit more scoring. Like I just – I don't see how John Moran isn't going to be an all-star. Like I just have super, super high expectations for him. Like I said to somebody – I can't remember who I said it to the other day. I said – just the way that he's looked in the preseason and knowing the way he started the season last year and the matchup with the Cavs. Now, I don't bet on the Grizzlies because I can't. But if I did, I would consider like a, a little action that John Morant might score 40 points in that first game. Like I, I like he has looked so good in, in the preseason. He's been totally unstoppable. He, his mind seems to be in the right place. The front office is saying, holy crap, he looks really good. Um, I, I just don't see him not being an all-star. With Jaron, a little bit different of a situation. Like, number one, as we mentioned, he wants to get paid, so stay healthy. Um, and just be Jaron. Like, make some threes a, a, a game. Try to limit your fouls. Block a few shots. And try to fit that role that the Grizzlies have sort of carved out for him where they envision him playing um, at the center position. And I think if you can do those things, like you don't have to blow anybody away, but I would not be surprised at all. If Jaron scored 17 or 18 points a game this year, I think that that would be perfectly on pace. And, um, in the new role, maybe he can do even better than that. So, uh, as long as Jaron shoots it well, like he, he's going to, and stays healthy, he's going to get paid. <laughs> and I think that, that if you're Jaron, like that's, one of your top priorities this season is proving that you're still the Jaron Jackson Jr. that you were before the knee injury. And there's, without a doubt, both of them certainly have incentives, like you mentioned. You know, the feeling is it doesn't seem like that there's going to be a contract that's going to be worked out before the deadline. Again, nothing wrong with that. But that means that this year, both Jaw and Jaron are paying for those next big extensions. They're big paydays of their lifetime next summer. It could be a pretty, pretty fun and expensive summer next year, but you certainly want Jaw and Jaron both to make it certainly worth their while. A couple of quick hitting questions here, Drew. Um, in terms of Jaw and Jaron, we know their development is key. Let's throw out um, Zaire and Santi because we know they're more long-term goals. When you look, besides those duos, when you look at the rest of this Grizzlies roster, if you were to be asked whose development this year is most important, 
for the Grizzlies' future to stay as bright as possible. Who would you say that would be? I think this is easy. Go easy. Ahead. I can cut you off. It's Desmond Bain. It's Desmond Bain, Desmond Bain, Desmond Bain, Desmond Bain, over and over and over. It's Desmond Bain. Um, I I think if if the Jaron thing, for whatever reason, doesn't work out, we won't be talking about John Jaron. We'll be talking about John Bain. Like Bain, Desmond Bain is going to be a terrific NBA player. You wonder how close he is to his ceiling given his age um, and the fact that his shooting is already so good. So if he develops even more and becomes like another one of those fringe all-star type of players and like a guy who would score at all three levels and maybe fill in at point guard if they need him, like, yeah, he's he immediately becomes the most important player outside of those two guys. I think it's absolutely Desmond Bain. The only other answer that I think is somewhat acceptable would be Dylan. But Dylan's been in the league for a while now, and we've seen how good he is on defense already. Um, and so I just don't know. I, like, I don't, I don't think people are thinking about Dylan Brooks' untapped potential the way that they might be thinking about Desmond Bain. Agree completely. Another person that I've thrown in there is DeAnthony Melton, but I agree with you, especially with what the Grizzlies need, what you need in the NBA to advance in the playoffs. It's three-point shooting is Bain. Drew, someone tells you right now, the Grizzlies will make the playoffs if they have a top-10 defense and league average production from beyond the arc. Your confidence level, they would be able to reach both those thresholds to make the playoffs this year. Oh, wow. Confidence level in both of those two things. I don't know. I think it's hard to replicate defense, and you're playing in the West, and teams are getting healthier. So, I mean, theoretically, they should be better on defense now that they have Jaron and Steven Adams is a little bit more versatile. So it's just hard. like, again, defense, I feel like can fluctuate more, more so than, than the great scorers of the league. Um, so I got, I've got a fair amount of confidence that they can do that defensively. Uh, Three-point shooting wise, it just depends. Like they're going to get up a lot more shots, which means they're going to miss more shots. Um, I, I, maybe uh, I I can maybe see him being a little bit below average just because you've got a point guard who's an attacking point guard uh, more so than just a, another shooter on the floor. Um, but do I think the Grizzlies will make the playoffs? I would say that they're like if I had to predict today, I would I would probably guess yes. I mean, I would at least guess play in, and I think that they're like I, I can see them finishing eighth. And that gives you a pretty good advantage in the play-in uh, or a pretty good chance to make it in the play-in. So, um, yeah, I, I can see the, the Grizzlies potentially uh, making the playoffs again. As far as those two numbers, man, that, that makes the prediction a lot more difficult. Yeah, I, I've said it before. I'm hoping for a 1,000 threes this year. That means they averaged just over 12 per game. They were at that pace the last 25 games of the season last year. I think that'd be a pretty good goal to set. Another question I'll ask you this is, Drew, you mentioned it. The play-in game probably seems most likely, maybe the playoffs. But say the Grizzlies, for some reason, were to not make the playoffs. That's a bit disappointing. But you answer the questions. Jaw is clearly the one for a sustainable winner and potential championship contender. Jaron has stepped into that number two role, shown he's healthy. Desmond Bain and others have stepped up. Taylor Jenkins has advanced as a coach. You get a lot of certain answers to questions that you need for the future, though the end results are not there. I do think an acceptable narrative this year, even if we take a step back, 
results-wise and we don't make the playoffs, but we answer several of those questions, that clearly is a successful campaign this year. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, obviously, you want to make the play-in. Like, if you're not playing in the play-in, you feel worse about your season. I think that knowing the way that John Morant operates, that if they don't make the playoffs, he would say it's a disappointing season. Um, I don't know if that's exactly the case. Uh, I, I think the Grizzlies can set themselves up to be a lot better long-term this year. And so, yeah, and you've got three first-round picks potentially in the next draft. So the future is still bright for sure, no matter which direction that the season goes. Um, but if Jaws an all-star, Jaron looks like a player that's worth you know paying the money and Bain continues to be on the same path that he's, that he's been on, you know, NBA teams, when they build up, it's not always linear, right? Like it's not a straight line to a championship every single time it goes up, it goes down. And uh, sometimes it can even benefit you to go down before you go up, if that makes sense. And so, um, yeah, I don't think that there's anything in specifics that is going to make the season successful or disappointing I think you just kind of have to look at the collective whole at the end of the year and, and kind of make that determination then yep it's going to be an exciting season and Drew as we wrap up here certainly want to give you the opportunity as always every season we're looking forward to the great work from you Chris Harrington Jeff Calkins and others it's going to be an exciting season with how stacked the Memphis Tigers are obviously the youth of the Grizzlies. Maybe one or two other narratives you're looking for this season that we haven't mentioned, and also obviously where people can find your great work, obviously below at Drew Hill underscore DM. But besides that, what you may have upcoming and where they can find your great work. Yeah, I um I don't want to give anything away. <laughs> but I'm working on uh some off-the-court Grizzlies stuff. Um uh, I don't know when what the timeline is on it at the moment, but I can say like it, people will be excited about it. Um, so you can be on a lookout for that. Hopefully um, maybe as early as next week, maybe later. Uh, it's just something that details are still being ironed out. And then, um, yeah, I'm just excited to be able to write about these guys off the court again. Um, I'm going to travel again this year. I'm not going on the first road trip. I think there's only one other road trip in, in November. I think Chris – or two road trips in November, and Chris is going to go to one. But um, I'll be on the road for, I don't know, 15 or 16 games, and that's going to be great because, um, you know, it'll be a real opportunity to, to get these guys face-to-face -face where, you know, it's a lot easier to get interesting things. And I'm just excited to be able to ask them – about their lives off the court, you know, like I want to ask Kyle Anderson about, I guess, uh, either his, his wife or someone in his family owns a kid's clothing line. And like, I, I've got all sorts of ideas, Sean, I've got all sorts of ideas. A lot of them are off the court. Um, but I'm really excited to sort of dive into that. As far as other storylines go, like you mentioned it, the Grizzlies and Tigers dynamic is fascinating. I've covered both of those teams, the Tigers, Please don't kill me, people online. But the Tigers have been disappointing, I would say, so far in the Penny Hardaway era relative to the talent that they've had. I think that this is the year that they're going to turn it around. Uh, they just have too much talent. They're so loaded. And um, if the Grizzlies and the Tigers are good at the same time, that changes the game. Like that, 
I, I just – the energy is different in the city when both teams are great. The energy in the playoffs for the Grizzlies last year was awesome. Um, and so I want to be able to feel that energy for the NCAA tournament, and I hope that both teams are good at the same time because that, that really benefits everybody. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I actually went and saw Tigers Pro Day and uh, got a look at those guys, and there's some serious NBA talent on that team. So uh, Grizzlies were there. They were there. Zach wasn't there in person, but uh, the Grizzlies did have representative there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch both of those teams. And really, I mean, the story of the season, at least the early going, is job. Like, is he going to get to that all-star game? I would love to go to Cleveland. It's, it's also interesting to me. Like, it's, it's fun that they start the season against Cleveland and the all-star game this year is in Cleveland. And so Ja will, I guess, uh, be starting his his uh, all-star campaign this year against the hometown team who gets to host the all-star game, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but that's the thing about it is that, you know, we haven't had this level of excitement for both the Grizzlies and the Tigers. Um, of course, there's one guaranteed loss for the Tigers when they play the balls in December. We won't get into and that, the though. And the Tide. All right, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough, fair enough. Two but, all, <laughs> but all joking aside, it's fun to see these narratives, but also, like you said, a star such as Jaw. Drew, we certainly hope, and I will do all that I can, um, I, I'll go ahead and say I can guarantee that this will not be the last time that I'll be reaching out to you, obviously, to be on the show. The insight has been wonderful. The content is wonderful. You can find Drew stuff at Drew Hill underscore DM. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Stick around for just a moment after the show, if you will, with us. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, my name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSEC on Twitter. All of Drew's work at the Daily Memphian, obviously the Daily Memphian podcast as well, and at Drew Hill underscore DM. For Drew Hill, my name's Sean Coleman. Check out Locked on Grizzlies wherever podcasts are available. The YouTube show, obviously, now on YouTube as well. And we'll talk with you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.